Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. The trio is back. It's like the first podcast of April where we've all been together. kind of feels that way. That might be true. Uh, maybe before the spring game, we, we knocked out one where we were all around. But uh, Brian, welcome back. Yeah, I was yodeling. You and Mason Ramsey? Yeah, I was up in Switzerland hiking hills, skiing, yodeling, eating chocolate, cheese, bread. Cheese fondue is very big there. Yeah, and you, you said that Switzerland is a lot like Wisconsin. <laughs> I did not say that. They do, they do love cheese, and they, dare I say, they have, they have better cheese. Oh wow! Uh, Whoa. Wisconsin. Do so they take... fry it there? Do they do they do the cheese curds? <laughs> yeah. They're a little more sophisticated. What's the, what's the Switzerland State Fair like? What's on a stick in Switzerland? I, don't know. I saw some cows in the hills though, uh, with the bells. You could hear the bells. You know, it's a big part of Switzerland. Also, there's a town at the foothills of uh, Verbier where we were staying, where it's the they have a museum for Saint Bernard dogs. That and like every what. Why are you pointing? Keep keep your story. We'll go. We'll, well talk about it. Well, every sign in the town is like, wait. I think it's like basically telling you if you take a left, but you should have went right. It feels like they're trying to lead you like Google Maps, like back to the museum, because it's like, wait, you might want to go right. You see a sign at every block to get to the Saint Bernard Museum, which I did stop in the gift shop, and also saw them walking three big Saint Bernards and got to pet them. Uh, but so you that, didn't go through the museum. No. How much was it? I felt like I got the best of it. I, I went to the gift shop for free, and, and I got a little puppy to, thing to bring home for family, and then I petted a few Wait, dogs. a little puppy thing? Like a puppy? Or what? You <laughs> bought a puppy? You brought a that I traveled. No. <laughs> it won't stay little for long. Yeah. It was a, Big poops. It was a, a, stuffed, a stuffed one. I... I am shocked that you had an opportunity to go to a St. Bernard Museum, and you just passed entirely. We did. Well, we went It must have been expensive. Yeah. Guy I was with, good friend Mike, didn't didn't feel it, and I was fine with that. And there was also a really nice art museum that had some famous, famous, uh, you know, artist works hanging. And we got to the front, and it looked a little pricey and out of our league, so we 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 headed out. We didn't have a pipe in our mouth, so we weren't allowed in. Ah, uh, uh, no monocle. Yeah. <laughs> well, did that's you... disappointing. Both of those museums seemed like they would have been worth. We time. did hit a lot of historical stuff though and castles and all this stuff and took a picture on a roman crapper um from the you know the early centuries and is there a sign that says julius caesar was here is that carved into the caesar crapped here caesar crapped here um yeah we, well obviously you didn't listen to last week's podcast because oh, we talked didn't. we talked at length about saint bernard's in the hope that perhaps you would bring one home oh so, really yeah so you knew all about that history well, I, I'm aware of St. Bernard's. Like, I've seen the movie Beethoven. Yeah. And, like, I, I understand, like... <laughs> I've seen the movie Beethoven. I understand. That makes that, like, you an authority on they, it. They were, they were in the mountains with, you know, the little keg thing around their neck. Right. They had to dig people. I, yeah. I, I, I understand just, I just learned that this last week. Oh, I was hoping that you'd bring But not back. at the museum, as yeah. noted. <laughs> just in the gift shop. Yeah. <laughs> He, he read the back of a book in a gift shop, saw the whole museum that way. Yeah. I, trying to buy my little St. Bernard dog was a hassle because the first lady, I, as I told you guys off the air, I did not try to learn my French or anything. I just was, you know, a brute American who's like pointing and grunting like, Ugh, 
communicate with me how you must, but come to me. And the lady couldn't help me at first. We were struggling. And then this young lady came up, and she could speak English. And uh, so that's why I was able to get my little my little puppy. No traveling family bands? What's that? No traveling family bands in no. Switzerland? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I I don't know. You, you didn't know this, obviously. Brunt's, at one point in his life, really wanted a St. Bernard. Oh. Like, that's his... That was his... Newfoundland, which is about the same Newfoundland size. Newfoundland first... It was never a St. Bernard. Right, but I about a... but about that size. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Bruns is a big dog guy. Yeah. yeah, well, that's good. A big, big dog guy. But he owns zero I... dogs, so he's not really a dog guy. Right, in theory. Someday. Yeah, I think I once asked you, is Bruns a dog guy? And you was like, oh, yeah. But he I mean, likes dogs. You defend I own dog dogs in the same way that I buy T-shirts online. <laughs> I, I talk about it. Might even put it in the cart, but never actually check out. Yeah. Do you ever check to see if shirts that you liked at one point are still in a cart somewhere? Do you ever do you ever put something in a cart and get like that prompt like two days later? It's like, oh, we noticed you haven't bought this yet. Like it's essentially my life is nothing but those prompts. Brunts, if it goes in the cart, I buy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't press add to cart without the serious intention of buying it. It's just the way that I roll. I, I just like to flirt with the purchase. Yeah, man. The, the, Think of all those puppies that have just thought they were coming back to the Brunt's family farm and nothing. Just I, watch me drive away. I should have brought you back one. I didn't know. That's fine. But uh, you'll, you'll, you weren't going to be able to travel with the puppy. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll gotten go, too big for the seat by the time you'd gotten it. Yeah, home. you'll go back. The most embarrassing part by far was I have never skied before, and I tried it out, and these little Swiss kids, man. They're just amazing. They come flying down the hill. You think I'm like, you know, like, oh, like he's going to hit me. They, they put on the brakes like right in front of you, blow snow in your face. They're like six <laughs> years old. And I told you guys, I fell down in front of the, uh, the ski rack and I could not get up for like 10 minutes because it was level ground. And then the most embarrassing part was I went up just to watch my friend go down the hill. I didn't even go down this one big hill. Uh, and we had to walk across this little path to get from the side of the mountain we were on to the side he was going to go down. And there was this snow next to the path that I thought was fair game to step in. And I stepped in it, and my whole left leg sank into the thing. So, like, half of my body was stuck, and my friend had to pull me out in front of this guy. I thought they were going to, like, have to shovel me out, like, at the top of the mountain. But... Not as easy to explain as if you had seen it, but uh, it was, you'd say, this guy's a joke. And so that, that, that was probably the low light. They, they almost had to send a St. Bernard out after you? I think so, yeah, <laughs> with a little whis- whiskey or whatever. So Brian goes on an international trip for the first time, and Nebraska goes without a player being drafted for the first time in 56 years. Correlation? No, but I felt like it was as good of a segue it's as good, I was going to come it's up a good with. Segue. Enough, yeah. Were you were you at all surprised when you heard this news stepping off of a hundred degree airplane or however you were informed? Well, I could, they did have internet out there, and I tracked it a little bit. Um, well, I thought you were flying back when the draft was going. Saturday on. night, I was getting ready to leave, so it was like eleven. Oh, it was like eleven gotcha. p.m. There, you would have heard by that point when the though. streak came to an end. And I don't know. You guys are probably the same. I I thought. Ozigbo might get picked late or maybe Stanley in the seventh round, but was also not stunned that it didn't happen. And in a way, it's sort of the fair result 
for Nebraska football. The way this thing has trended for a while, they've been kind of living on borrowed time with this streak the last few years. And I think next year it could be a slice of humble pie too. So you hate to see it end, but yet you're kind of like, yeah. I mean, it, the reality check had already set in, and this is just like a little whipped cream on top to that reality check. Yeah, I I said this to, to some people the other day, but you think about Stanley Morgan and Divino Zigbo. I mean, they essentially had three losing seasons in the four years they were at Nebraska, so it shouldn't come as a big shock that there weren't a lot of draftable options. And, I mean, I thought Morgan had done well in his combine. I thought he had done well with the testing and the numbers and everything else, but at the end of the day, just because a guy has been a good receiver at Nebraska, a place that hasn't put out a lot of good receivers, it just didn't come down to a team feeling like he was valuable enough to, to draft. He was the one that I would have thought had the 90% chance of being taken. Everybody else would have been, you know, 70 or lower. Well, even but, we'd said that, you know, leading into that, that we thought it was more likely that you'd get three taken right, than one. than one, and it was zero, but... That some of that is just a bubble of covering this team and thinking that a guy that you've covered for four years is definitely good enough in the eyes of the NFL. And I mean, not to turn this into Vikings talk, but you have a guy in Rick Spielman that has watched <laughs> Stanley Morgan for several years now. Every, and they every had three game. picks and they took two other wide receivers. So it it just kind of tells you that as good as he was at Nebraska to, to get to the NFL is just another level. And Nebraska hasn't been good enough in both developing and, and finding and producing guys that are playing on Sundays. They just have it. The, the streak that, I mean, it, you're right. It, it's kind of been leading to the fact that it was going to die out. I mean, it's the, the thing that's just, I kind of shake my head out a little bit is just the, to, to see where Nebraska's really struggled. I mean, the, the lack of linemen that have gotten drafted and drafted high. I mean, it's, Spencer Long was probably the most recent one. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, before that, offensive lineman-wise, I'd have to look to see how Charles much. Charles Nix and Lighted Murtha. Yeah, I mean, and Murtha was like a sixth or seventh rounder. Nix is like he? a fifth round. Like it's, I mean, you have to go to like Tony Finotti. I mean, I'm trying to think how far back you have to go to, to, to really find a guy that was picked high. And that's, you know, both the strength and conditioning issue. It's also just a a de- skill development issue too. Don't it's you- the way the NFL is relative to what Nebraska's offensive line was trying to accomplish too offensively. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been running a pro style offense for a few years during that time too. I yeah. mean, it's, I don't know. It doesn't bode well. Yeah. And I also, I also just think Nebraska's lost the benefit of the doubt with NFL personnel and scouts. If you go back in time when Nebraska was really at the top, there's some guys who got picked who you'd be like, really? That guy got drafted, you know? Um, But he played for Nebraska, and there was, I think, this feeling like, well, he's of a certain mold, you know, and he can make it in this league. We'll take a shot at him. And you've slowly seen that uh, just disappear. And, you know, it, it is sad that the streak's over, but once you get to that point where you're talking about, hey, well, is one or two going to get picked the final day? To me, the you've already traveled to a space that where, you know, changes have to happen and you got to see something different. And yes, there even when you're good, there can be an occasional year 
where you have a bad draft year because it doesn't always translate between college success. Like, the one thing I feel bad about is I understand why Stanley isn't viewed as, like, a top guy maybe for NFL, but it's kind of weird that it, the streak ends in a year where there are two guys who actually finished with seasons and, in Stanley's case, had careers that are far, far better than many Husker players who have been drafted before him. And so I feel bad for them that it ends on their watch when Stanley's a record-setting guy who was pretty darn good from his first day set foot on campus. And that that's where I guess I'm disappointed for him. Yeah, and his story doesn't end because he didn't get drafted. I mean, he signed with the Bengals, and I think he's got an opportunity there. Luke Gifford was a priority signing, it seems like, for yeah. Dallas in terms he got a of good deal. with the, the deal and then the bonus money. I I don't remember where Ozigbo ended up. Uh, he is a Saint New Orleans. Oh Saint. yeah, and that's a, that's not a bad spot either because they didn't draft a running back. They got to replace. Um, they got to replace Mark Ingram and some of these guys. You know, you're just hoping to make a practice squad. And I saw Zach Potter post this the other day, but he basically acknowledged like he didn't get drafted. He thought that he might late. Uh, the call never came, and then he had his pick of the teams for undrafted free agency i think he started with the rams ended up with the the jaguars switched positions and carved out you know a fine five-year nfl career that featured him being active for i think three of those years so uh there's great opportunity for him jeremiah searles we've seen zach starup we've seen uh brett maher we've seen it doesn't matter the position even um but if you're good enough you're going to find a way, and I think some of those guys uh, are going to prove that they probably should have been taken somewhere in that draft, but either their measurables weren't interesting enough or they weren't worth the gamble at that time. So the so day two would be rounds two and three, right? Yep. Just looking at offensive linemen that would have been taken on day, day two or earlier. Um, Alex Lewis was a fourth rounder, which I'd forgotten. I always forget that he he got picked. Spencer Long was a third rounder in 2014. Alex Lewis is an NFL starter, too. Yeah. Marcel Jones was a seventh rounder. Keith Williams was a sixth rounder. Matt Slauson was a sixth rounder. He had a hell of an NFL career. Um, Carl Nix was a fifth rounder. I mean, you're going. this is 2006 now. Yeah. Where's Murtha? Richie Incognito. He was uh, Murtha was a seventh rounder. Incognito was a third rounder in 2005. Which doesn't really count towards Nebraska. No. Josh Sewell was a sixth rounder. I mean, Tony Finotti was a second round pick in 2002. Um, And Rayola before that in 2001 was a second rounder. So when's the last first rounder for an offensive lineman? Somebody's probably screaming at their headphones right now. Because we don't know this? Yeah. It doesn't strike me as a particularly worthy fact, but... No. Keep talking. I'm going back to... What was was Will Shields? He was a third rounder. Yeah. Man. Is Remington, really? He he was a first rounder, wasn't he? This is scintillating radio. Yeah. You got to go back a ways. Yeah, but I mean your your point is well made. They've they've both sides of the trenches. Stein Cooler in '84. That's it, huh? Remington in '83, 25th pick. But That's insane. You've 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 got to start seeing. I don't care if it's the first round. 
But in the first three to four rounds, you've got to start seeing Nebraska linemen on both sides. And it'll coincide. If this team is winning 10, 11 games, it, 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 they hold hands with each other. I mean, that's as, it's as simple as that. You'll, you'll see it, and you'll know it when it's a team that, I mean, last year when you think about the offense, the first half of the season, they were – they could move the ball and then they'd get to like fourth and one or something and they'd get stuffed. And it's felt like it's been that way for a while at Nebraska or even on those short yardage situations or goal line, you, you can't really trust Nebraska up front and it never used to be that way. And that, that, that's going to be, have to be the, one of the biggest things that has to turn here. Yeah. I'm just looking at UCF. They had four guys taken last year. They had Tristan Hill taken this year. Tristan Hill barely played for them. After being a starter for Scott Frost and staff still went in the the second round, I expect that it's going to turn in part because I think the recruiting and the the strength and condition strength and conditioning and the development is going to be better yeah. uh, going forward. But I I mean I it might be a couple years until you see a, another big crop of guys go to the NFL representing Nebraska. Yeah, I don't want to get. I'm not saying this to just give the staff an out, but I think it's true. I think basically how you judge this staff and how they do with the draft starts in two years. Because there's, 2020? Yeah. Because there's 2021. Been, yeah, 2021. Because there's been so much roster turnover and just them finding their type of guys that fit their style that, yes, I mean, they're, they're connected to guys like Stanley and Devine and these guys, but I, I really feel like in two classes, that's when you really see their guys that they brought in and – you know, how they can mold those guys that they thought could work when they recruited them. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk about a different sport and a different coach trying to find his guys and how he's going to mold them into Nebraska basketball. Next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, so Brunt's... Talk to us about Nebraska's new basketball roster, basically. Got a bunch of dudes that were not here last year, some commitments over the last week. I think the last time we spoke, Cheatham was the newest addition, and now he's like old news. He's old news. Hanif is old news. Uh, so Nebraska picked up two pieces for this year's roster, a grad transfer and a junior college transfer, uh, JUCO transfer Cam Mack out of Salt Lake City. Uh, or Salt Lake Community College uh, in Utah. Basically, he's going to be Nebraska's point guard. Uh, he's got three years to play coming out of Juco ball. 
uh, had originally signed with St. John's and opened up his recruitment after everything kind of blew up there. And basically, you know, Nebraska, when you look at the look at the backcourt, it's a pretty impressive group that they've put together over the last month or so with Gervais Green staying in, uh, Cam Mack, Hanif Cheatham gives you a little bit um, as well. So, uh, you know, th- those are guys that, that you can build around. And then you got Deshaun Burke coming off of a transfer year too. So I feel pretty good about what they can do there. And, and the other addition, Matei Cavas, uh, junior college, or not junior college, uh, grad transfer from Seattle University, uh, six foot eight. I think you were calling him the Slovenian Brian Conklin. Is that correct? Uh, six foot eight, two hundred and five pounds, uh, and just can bomb it from three point range. Uh, he's a career forty five percent shooter from three point range, and I believe the stat I saw sixth among active D one players in three point percentage. He'll have one year and will be your guy from the outside. I don't think he's going to give you a ton more elsewhere. He had a broken shin last year Whoa. which sounds pretty painful yeah. um but you know that that's where you're at you've got three open scholarships right now uh assuming that isaiah roby who is in the nba um combine, combine is off to the nba you'll have three, which he is you'd have three spots there so how they kind of configure things because you, you still need a big guy they'd love to have a couple sit out transfers but you still need to add some size for, for this year, else it's, you know th- those guards aren't going to do much for you. Did you know that in 2003 and four, Brian Conklin shot 56% from three? I, I did not. 56%. How many shots? He averaged 3.8 a game. He took 118 three-pointers in 2003-4. So before the the big man spread the court revolution, Brian Conklin was sitting in the corner cashing threes. 56%. He was a man before his time. He was. He had one horrible season uh, where he shot 26% from three. Otherwise, (laughs) he was... That's a pretty big tip. (laughs) Yeah. He shot 42% as a freshman, barely played. Or you shouldn't say barely played, but didn't take that many shots. 43% as a sophomore, 26% as a junior, and then 56% as a senior. How many, how many rebounds did he average a game? Just wondered. Oh, he's got to cut a man down. I'm just that, I, I'm asking. <laughs> he averaged nearly four rebounds a game as a senior. And he was how tall? Six. Six 11. <laughs> from Hubbard, Ohio. He averaged 0.3 blocks a game, 1.2 assists. Well, he wasn't in there to block. 1.6 personal fouls. He wasn't fouling out either. <laughs> it was a thorough Brian Conklin run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really like the the tall guys that can let it fly. I enjoyed Copeland. Uh, I enjoyed good Walter Pitchford more than bad Walter Pitchford. Uh, so I'm I'm probably out of all of these additions most excited about. Uh, Kavos, is that how it's pronounced? Kavos. The the K the the first syllable is what's uh, Kavos. 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 We don't know. It could be Kavos. It's Kavos. Kavos. All right. So I, I'm Mate. excited about him. Uh, Cam Mack has a lot of people fired up. Does he have three years to play? Yeah, he, he does. Yeah. So that's 
That's good. Um, but you mentioned the key thing there, which is they have no front court. This is true. I mean, yeah, it's they needed to find somebody, uh, and, and they hosted. Uh, Jace Johnson. Jace Johnson, who's going to take other visits. He's apparently going to take a trip to Marquette. Uh, he would be a really nice piece to put in that lineup. I mean, he was fourth in the, the Pac-12 in rebounding last year. Uh, legit seven-footer. Um, so it's that, that that's where I would look next to see how Nebraska is going to fill those spots because, you know, right – this would give you an idea. Right now, Nebraska is going through off-season workouts with the guys on the roster. They have three guys working out right yeah. now. The Sean Burke, Brady Hyman, and Thor uh, are your three guys. With uh, are they just playing twenty-one tip out? I assume so. Just some horse. <laughs> <laughs> just the Sean Burke and Thor just talking about life and playing some horse. Huh. At least I, this roster. I mean. You, you're, you're seeing it. Like, you see Fred Hoiberg during his in, introductory press conference, he seemed pretty proud of his first year at Iowa State when they were in a real transition period. And they ended up, what, 16 and 16 when yeah. it looked like they had nothing. Mm-hmm. And if he can do something similar to that and a little beyond, I mean, that I think people will say, okay, that's not bad for a roster that when he arrived, you're, you're looking at a blank sheet of paper almost. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm curious though. I mean, you, how do you balance? How do they end up balancing the need to put a very competitive team on the floor that first year versus setting themselves up mm-hmm. for that second year? Because that's, I think they had four sit out guys that year uh, at Iowa State, and they only had like eight scholarship guys that were available. So, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It, it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. I mean, as much as I'm excited about. Um, I already forgot how to pronounce it. Kavas. Matei. Matei, yes. And and Cheatham is interesting. I mean, those the chances of this team really being competitive next year seem pretty low to me. In a loaded Big Ten, having to come together and figure out how to play together with no front court, having to learn how to play in the Big Ten with Hoiberg's offense, which I don't think we've discussed enough as to how difficult that's going to be you got a conference that wants to slow you down as much as possible, force you to maximize any possession you have, and you got an offense that is going to try to go fast. And that's going to be an interesting conflict at times uh, as to how that works for them. But, so, so you have all of that happening. I, I think guys like Cam Mack are huge, one, because they didn't have a real point guard, but two, um, because he's got three years to play. Deshaun Burke has two years to play. Gervais Green has several years to play. I mean, so th- those are the guys that really kind of matter. And what they add around them, the sit-out ones, which I think they're going to try to get two if they can, would make the most sense to me. Uh, that's ultimately – I mean, I think you're building more towards 2021 than you are 2020, um, at least in terms of what this is really going to look like going forward. I could be wrong, and they could be really good, you know, if, if the right guy commits in the front court and you get uh, some positive injury luck and you just catch the Big Ten by storm because nobody knows what you're going to look like. Maybe it all works out. I, I think that more than likely you're going to have some real growing pains in there with guys that are making a big jump in levels. I, I think what you're kind of counting on, though, is the 
is the kind of the changeup aspect of that offense. Like when when you're not seeing it night in and night out. Right. I mean, Michigan State's a bad example because it's Michigan State, but I mean they they play a similar style of basketball to what Fred Hoiberg would like to play, and you know I I think that when you're kind of in the grind of a year and you you have you know two days or whatever to scout I mean maybe maybe you do catch teams off guard when when you're running a little bit or you know you you you're in February or something like that teams tired or whatever and you can kind of run them out of the gym a little bit I mean I think that that possibility exists as long as you get some guys down low because I mean it's it's not pretty right now. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, that both football and basketball are kind of pushing the envelope as far as like the Big Ten style, or at least how you think of Big Ten style in both in both sports, really, where you you think of kind of grind it out, play football and basketball, and Frost wants to change that, and Hoiberg does too. I think it also sort of fits with Bill Moose's persona too. Mm-hmm. I think that he wants. He wanted coaches, and it just so happened to work out that two of the top candidates have that sort of style. But he wants things to look a certain way. Yeah, I think, on a field. I'll be interested how the fan base reacts too, because Doc Seller was talking about with Fred Hoiberg's teams. He'll let his guys shoot. I mean, he'll let them take shots. Sadler said it in a more folksy, cool way. But <laughs> in a Sadler way? Yeah. Like, he was talking about how, you know, a guy will take a shot where Doc's sitting over there like, what are you doing? And Hoiberg is, and you know, what's free-flowing type of action is what he likes. And uh, when they're kind of figuring it out at first, I'll, it'll be kind of fun <laughs> to watch how people react to some of that when, when guys let it loose maybe a little bit. I am excited for the reaction around here. The first time Nebraska loses a game where they score like 88 points and the other team scores 96 and you get the, you know, instead of run the ball guy, it's a why can't they play defense guy. Bobby Lutz was talking and he said that they, Fred Hoiberg wants guys to, to guard. And if you guard and you rebound, he's willing to give you more autonomy on offense. So, I mean that's that's the ideal. I'm expecting. I'm hoping for some bad shots. I mean, <laughs> because it's Michael Brown's here for bad shots. Yeah, no kidding. But, but I mean, it, I would take bad shots over passing the ball around for 28 seconds and hoisting a. You know what I mean? Like you're saying, you don't want to see any more three man weave at the top of the key. No, I, I'm, you're out on that. I've seen so much of that. Um, it's almost like you're out on the half court offense in general. Yeah, just. I, I think you you shoot within ten seconds. Just chuck it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, well, I'm, lot, Michael Bruns here for chuckers. A lot of announcers will get fed up and uh, ingrained it in people's minds that whenever a team's on a break, if a guy pulls up and takes a three right away, it's declared a bad shot every time. I'm not of that thinking. If you're open and you can and you are a shooter. I don't know. Take it. What if your team's down two in the NCAA tournament and you have an opportunity for a layup and you drive <laughs> in and you kick it out to an eventual Final Four team? Brian wants shooting for the win. <laughs> now, in that case, maybe you take the layup. You hear that, New Mexico State? <laughs> but no, it, it did work out for him, right? He got fouled on the three. They just didn't. They didn't he had two out of three, though. Yeah. But I don't know. What, what I think's fun is I bet you. This segment people actually listen to. <laughs> and no, I'm serious. And like, I, I think at the end of last season, whenever we talked hoops, people are like, all right, enough of that. Record scratch. Yeah. And, yeah. 
I think I think the dynamic has changed. You can Earlier, tell. like last season, people wanted more banter rather than basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Husker twenty four seven podcast. The segments that you'll listen to. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I anything else we need to hit basketball wise here? Do they have any other visitors coming in? I'm sure they will. Still okay. earlier in the week, but uh, the other guy, one guy we didn't mention that came in this week, Kevin Cross. He's a prep or, or a high school. Uh, the 2019 guy, right? Power forward from Arkansas who has seen his recruitment blow up quite a bit. Um, 6'8", 6'9", 240 pounds. I, I don't know how much he helps right away, but uh, Arkansas is involved. Oklahoma State's involved. Nebraska's involved now after the visit, so – that 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 one's interesting to me too, because I mean it's as much as we talk about needing the the post help, maybe that's a guy that you can bring in and develop. Do we know? And and obviously with three available scholarships would change that. What does their numbers look like for twenty twenty? Off the top of your head, do you have any idea? Uh, Is that an look. unfair question? It yeah, probably. Be an unfair question. That's all right. Uh, get a roster. This is great, great podcast. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you have somebody like Ben Carlson who you put on the board, college teammates with – Hoiberg was college teammates with Ben's dad. Nearly a five-star, uh, top 70 player, number 10 power forward in the country. That would be the sort of mega recruiting win, uh, especially in Big Ten country in you know the state of Minnesota where it doesn't look like Ben Carlson's even looking at Minnesota based on the, the crystal ball, but – I mean, that would be the sort of prep win that I guess I wouldn't have equated Nebraska to actually being able to do in recruiting. But just looking at Nebraska basketball's roster right now is great. You you have the the, the top six are guys with pictures, which means they're currently on the team. <laughs> Bottom six guys, no pictures. <laughs> it's it's a pretty stark. Uh, I keep forgetting Carrington Davis will be available for him. He's there. There's another. Uh, what do they have him listed as a guard? A guard. Yeah. Another six six wing. Yep. So, well, I'm sure we can touch on basketball the next time we gather. We'll probably have a little bit more recruiting. There hasn't been a whole lot happening. Tony Tuioti posting photos of his hats around the country. That's what uh, I live for. Nebraska making offers in St. Louis, still trying to solve that Rubrics cube, which at this point I'm surprised they just haven't gotten a hammer out and just destroyed it and then glued it back together. But uh, we'll have more on recruiting. I'm sure there'll be some other football things coming up. And, you know, at some point, we're just going to dive right into the 2019 season. Maybe uh, maybe do the old thing from last year where we pick a position and break it down as we go forward. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. Well, you have that to look forward to and <laughs> everything else <laughs> with the Oscar 24-7 podcast. <laughs>